So you're you're listening to uh, Interzone Pod. Uh, my name is Gareth Jelly. I'm the editor of Interzone and Interzone Digital. And today I'm talking to Priya Sharma. Th- Hello, Priya. Thank you very much for coming on today. Hi. Thanks for having me, Gareth. It's it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you. And uh, and thank you. For, uh, you. You came on to the Interzone Story Socials a little bit earlier, and we had a we had a really interesting conversation there about pomegranates but for for kind of podcast listeners could you could you kind of just introduce yourself you know and yeah maybe just a little bit about this latest book right I, I probably I started writing probably about 12 years ago um I, I write short stories I've published a couple of novellas um I've been very very fortunate in my my um writing career so far and that I was um published in Black Static um, in previous arcin- uh, in- incarnations of Interzone, um, at tour.com. Um, so, and from there, things have sort of snowballed a little bit. I was, uh, um, I've been lucky enough to um, be nominated for, won a couple of Shirley Jackson Awards and British Fantasy Awards. Um, so, yeah, yeah, um, short stories are my thing, really. Um, Pomegranates um, is from... The Absinthe Range, the novella range from PS Publishing, um, and and it's a story about um, the Persephone myth, but I've um, twisted it out of shape, if you like. Um, it's told from the point of view of three different characters: Persephone, um, who's in the underworld; her mother, who is actually in um, a psychiatric unit being treated for possible psychosis. And um, the third character is called Bear, um, or Dr. Ursa, who is a um, scientist who created a seed bank. And he's, a, a, or they are a little bit of a um, play on the, the man who started the Svalbard seed bank. And and the, the absinthe range is, the, 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 the brief, I think, was, was novellas of a particular length, or... Or was there more, like, is there more linking them than that? Uh, 20,000 words. They're all very, very different. Um, the Shirley Jackson Award for novella this year has gone to um, Angela Slatter's The Bone Lantern from PS Publishing. Um, all the books are very, very different. Um, when um, mine was launched, there were writers like M.R. Perry, who wrote The Girl With All the Gifts, um, George Mann, a variety of different writers. Laura Morrow, whose name you might recognise, she's done one in the past, which was um, set in Finland during World War II about um, resistance fighters, the female units of resistant fighters. So there's a whole whole mix of stuff. It's really quite interesting. Okay, so and then and pomegranates is available. There's there's a hardback and there's an ebook from from PS Publishing, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's a hardback and. Um, a special edition hardback, as they do with all of all of their their ranges, and an ebook as well. Um, to, talking a bit more about the the the, the kind of the the gestation, or, or you know how how the story came about, you maybe sort of introduced to, to sort of interzone pod listeners, yeah, where where it started and how it kind of grew into this sort of wonderful book that 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 we now have. Oh, thank you. It it's. I'd very much, I've always had a bit of a thing for the Greek myths, actually, um, even from quite a young age. 
Um, and, you know, I grew up reading um, Jeanette Winterson, who I don't know if you remember, um, she did a book called Wait, which was about Atlas, which is just oh, wonderful. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fantastic. And it's it's about the um, how Atlas is tricked by Hercules and it involves um, the Russian dog Laika at one point in space orbiting the planet. Um, it, it's just a lovely book. Um, other novels like The Minotaur Takes a Cigarette Break. So I was very interested in in kind of riffs on on mythology. I'm always I've always been kind of interested in those female characters that have been kind of marginalised a little bit, mm-hmm. or the the oddities within um, mythology. I wrote a story for Interzone called um, Oh my gosh, Theseus and Astorius. That was it. So um, it was it, Theseus, um, rather than Theseus, I had Thesea and Astorius was the name of the Minotaur. Um, so I've got this kind of time traveling kind of thing going on. And so, but with pomegranates, I was really interested in um, ideas around um, patriarchal violence, um, around abuse, but also climate change um, and the idea of, of food sustainability being very, very vulnerable. So I wanted to touch on lots of things and a, and a story that involves a, an eternal winter through those characters to me seemed quite a, um, mm-hmm. for me, you know, it was quite an interesting way to go as a writer. What's your kind of process as a short story writer of going from, you know, these notebooks full of full of lots of different things to actually a finished piece in something like Black Static or Interzone or or wherever it, wherever it goes? Like what's your, maybe maybe talk a little bit about that. I think I think when I started out, I was basically because you know I I was just writing for myself. It was what what interested me. It's always what interested me at that 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 moment. Um, and as I started to work out who the characters were, then I, I kind of got a better sense of where I wanted to go with it. And and I think part of my problem at the start was I wasn't writing to any set genre, and I, I still probably don't. I, you know. Um, mm. so there's a lot of shift between different genres in what I do. Um, certainly my short story collection is mainly the horror type stuff. Um, but I've got a whole pile of stuff that's more fantasy that's unpublished. Um, and I think obviously as I, I got a little bit better known, I've been fortunate in that people have asked me for work. And I think what always interests me about, um, you know, invitations to submit is, what can I do with this? It's a little bit different. That's going to interest me or satisfy me. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I think it, it's only when you can find something that chimes with you that you know that it starts to work. I mean, I remember somebody saying to me, "Would you write for uh, a Lovecraft um, anthology?" And I kind of uh. this is going to be an awful thing to say, and I'm going to say, "Please don't tell anyone," but that's too late. I've never read Lovecraft. Might be a bit too late. Yeah, never read Lovecraft. Not not a not a conscious thing growing up. I just I just never particularly thought oh, I really fancy reading that. So yeah, I passed on that. But there are things. For example, I was invited to write for a, a, a sea horror anthology, and what I ended up writing was actually a very strange coming of age tale, and it, it got rejected because I just couldn't bend it to horror. It was dark fantasy. But sometimes the story takes you. Fortunately, that doesn't happen that often. Otherwise, I wouldn't make any money from it. But um, 
you know, sometimes it takes you where where it takes you. And I, I think there's a joy in in sort of invitations because sometimes if it's a subject, you think, wow, you know, that's that's fascinating. Um, I mean, for example, I wrote something for um, Ellen Datlow in her Alice in Wonderland collection, mm-hmm. um, and I was I was for me as as a, a doctor, the thing that interested me there was mercury poisoning. So I, I really oh. wanted to write about the Bad Hatter and, and mathematics, thinking about um, Charles Dodson. And so that kind of was where it where it went. And I think I think when you get excited about what the material is, it, that's when you know you, you feel like you you kind of that that first hurdle, you know. And and you mentioned that you mentioned earlier that that idea of, of sort of taking two different things and sort of smashing them together. And when it comes to sort of like planning a or, or maybe not planning a story, but but thinking about a story is is that a very conscious thing you're doing, where you're sort of throwing different things at each other until something sort of sticks. I think what if that's the thing, isn't it? As a, a, a that's the thing that excites us about stories, isn't it? What if mm-hmm. what if I do this? What if this happens? Um, and I and I think just having the curiosity, and and I think sometimes you know I am a great believer that you know, um, that eureka moment isn't the work of it an instant. It's your mind working over a long period of time behind the scenes mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, I mean, this isn't a rocket science idea. I mean, that that is, it's, you know, it's been in psychology for decades, the idea of that, that moment of realisation, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, and I think if you feed the subconscious enough, so exploring, right. playing lots of different ideas, you know, looking back at notes, looking back at, you know, I've even got scrapbooks just full of images that I love. Um, I've got a whole Pinterest page that was just devoted to pomegranates, which has pictures of um, Svalbard and polar bears and seeds. And, you know, and and I think you just, if you chuck everything at it and see what sticks, your mind starts to get used to processing and pulling out what is useful. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, talking about pulling pulling out things that are useful uh alexander glass mentioned in his review of pomegranates that you have this sort of this this great kind of ear for for particular phrases and i i wonder kind of and you write longhand and i wonder sort of how how much of what you're writing actually kind of ends up sort of printed essentially how how much sort of how much is sort of written and discarded written and discarded hopefully i've got quicker at it but 12 years ago, I was doing like 30 rewrites of a short story, uh-huh. which is just not, it's not feasible. It's not tenable, is it? But that's how I learn. Um, I mm-hmm. mean, I've never been to writing classes or anything, but it was trial and error, trial and error. What looked right, what worked. My, my prose was a lot busier when I started and it, it has very much changed as I've, I've gone on. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, you know, hopefully cleaner. Yeah, definitely leaner. Um yeah, yeah I, I think for me, writing longhand, I don't know whether it's because I'm kind of the pre-computer generation, if you like. I mean, I, I didn't really, you know, we only discovered computers and their basics at university. So for me, life was longhand. You know, I took notes at university. We carted around massive files. You know, everything was done longhand. Um, so I still think with a pen best, and I read with a pen, when I'm reading someone else's fiction, I will write down, I keep a reading diary. 
I'll write down my favourite phrase, phrases and, and bits and pieces. So I, for me, I work through my, my hand, if you like. Um, when it comes to talking, I think it's useful because that is all just another phase of the editing process, that typing up what I've what I've done. And then I will literally physically cut up sections and lay them out on the floor. Oh, wow. You know, okay. yeah, sometimes that's the only way to get the, the, the order running and then look at bits, look at what you've got to change. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's a very physical thing. I mean, I've got A3 notebooks that open up with double page spreads. So I've got massive space on which oh. to work. At the moment, I don't know if you can see the post-it notes. Yeah, 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 I can. On the wall up there. Yeah, so I, I, I'm kind of, I, I, you know, I'm very much a flow chart, lots of arrows, you know. So is that a story? <laughs> well, at the moment, it's not. At the moment, it's a to-do list, but sometimes it's a story. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, it, yeah, it's, again, you know, it's multi-purpose. But for, for for audio listeners, for audio listeners, be, be behind, behind prayer is a, it's a, 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 a kind of, post-it notes in three different colors sort of arranged in what looks like some kind of order uh but i can't tell if it's color order or any of your, or, or more than that it started off as color order it's like deteriorated badly but yeah yeah but everyone i think you've got to work out when you're writing what sort of learner are you are you a visual learner are you you know someone who will take copious notes in order you know personally i have lots of um maps with different sections and I'm reordering post-it notes around it or things around it, but it is all right. still very, very loose, you know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. because I, I, you know, I, I like to discover the story myself as I go along as I'm writing it. Re- reading, you said reading with a pen, which is a great way of putting it. And that's sort of, you know, critical reading and, and, and looking for the language. And, and in the, when you were talking in the, in the story social earlier, you mentioned kind of being a reader first uh, but who, which writers stylistically do you look to or do you kind of admire when it comes to short stories in particular? I mean, I think when I, start, I started out, I was doing really bad pastiches of Angela Carter. Okay. Because I, I, I just loved The Bloody Chamber. To me, that was a, you know, that sort of blew my socks off. Reading that was, you know, obviously it's beautiful. Um, you know, these fairy tales that I remember from my childhood, but, you know, feminist reworkings of them. Um, some of them quite gruelling, quite gruesome, gritty. Um, so definitely, she was definitely there. I love Toni Morrison, um, you know, books like Beloved. It, it's like saying, what's your favourite food? Because it does change. I mean, yeah. short, for short story writers, although this isn't a genre writer, I'm a huge admirer of um, Jhumpa Lahiri's books, um, Unaccustomed oh. Earth and... Um, the Interpreter of Maladies, she writes a lot about um, migration, first and second generation, migra- you know, migrants and their experiences. She's originally from a, um, well, I don't want to spoil it, but she's um, her prose is beautiful, um, very clean. Um, as a teen, I remember reading a lot of H.E. Bates's short stories, which were lovely. Uh-huh. Um, recently, um, Paul Tremblay actually recommended to me Things We Lost in the Fire um, um, by Mariana Enriquez and her other book, The Dangers of Smoking in Bed, which are these mm-hmm. big Gothic themes, but set in um, Buenos Aires, set in Argentina, around um, child poverty, prostitution, homelessness, police corruption, um, you know, she, you know, brilliant ghost stories, great um, monster stories. She does her own Gollum, take on Gollum. 
uh, you know, just loads of things about her work. I really, really admire. Um, right. I'm trying to think what else I've read recently. I love Simon Jones. Um, he's a, a Welsh poet who's done some amazing prose. Um, oh, his, the most recent Nightjar is Simon Jones, I think. Oh, is, is it? it? That's interesting. I, I have a feeling I, I, was, I was looking on that uh, stock. Yeah, sadly sold out now. Do you know, I always seem to miss the Nightjar ones because they, did, again, Lucy McKnight-Hardy, who's great. Um, her short story collection is really, really good. And her novel, um, Things, oh, Water Shall Refuse Them, they're from Dead Ink uh-huh. in a Liverpool Press. They're really good. Um, i trying to think what else I've read recently that I've really enjoyed. Novel-wise, um, Night Bitch by... Rachel Yoda, that was quite interesting. And um, it's about a woman who turns into a dog. But it's about art and creativity and um, kind of women's roles. That was that was great. Um, short story collection. The other one that I read recently was Augustina Bazterica's 19 Claws and a Blackbird, um, which contains one of the most flooring two-page stories I've ever read. Oh, okay. Um, that doesn't get. I think it's. I think it's called Roberto, and it's about a, a a girl in the cusp of puberty who finds a rabbit between her legs. Oh, and that's all I'm going to say. Okay, well, all I'm going to say about well, that. that's already a lot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she wrote ten. Well, she wrote Tender is the Flesh. I don't know if you've read it, um, which obviously caused a lot of waves. A very yeah, I have to say. I mean, I've got quite a strong stomach, um, but the most horrific clinical thing I've read for a while actually um, made me think about becoming vegan. And did it? Oh, right. Yeah. So it told it told the truth in a sense. There, it kind of showed you something. Yeah. It's yeah yeah interesting. It's interesting. There was a phrase stuck in my head earlier, um, a, a Legrin quote, where she's talking about storytellers are truth tellers. And you and you know, a lot of what you mentioned earlier were kind of writers who are engaging, you know, really actively with, you know, social issues. You, you mentioned migration, you mentioned prostitution. Do, do you feel do you feel that kind of your writing is built around a set of principles and that, that you're kind of whether consciously or not, you're kind of writing, you're writing into the world with that in mind or or, or not? Not consciously. I think I think we probably all betray ourselves, no matter what, <laughs> how we try and, and yeah. I think I think we all probably betray some of our our ideals, and that's not to say that's the voice of our characters, because often they're very different hmm. um, and can be the complete opposite of us. Um, I, I think we reveal ourselves, nonetheless, somewhere hmm. in our writing. But I, I don't. I, I think you've got to be really careful about trying to be worthy in your writing. I think you've got to write your own truths and I think you've got to write from, um, you know, obviously shrouded in fiction. And uh, But I, I think you've got to believe in what you're writing and you've got to feel what you're writing. Otherwise, no one else is going to. Right. Um, and I think certainly um, my my short story collection, um, I, I think it's very much about maybe the, disenfranchise the outsiders the about illness about grief um mm-hmm. about things that really were talking to me at the time um and things that i was i was finding quite difficult so 
for me, I, I write stuff that I want to process and I want to deal with. Um, but I think you've got to be careful about maybe banging the drum too much. I know that sounds awful. I think you've got to tell a story. And, and I think you do have to have a, a point and a thrust and a point of view. Um, but nobody likes to be preached to. Mm-hmm. So it's that balance, isn't it? You know, where, where's the balance? Because, I, you know, I, I don't. I don't think readers want or need to be condescended to. I think I think the best writing makes you and explore ideas, um, but that doesn't mean that I have to foist my point of view on people because I'm not sure that's right either. But people have got the people can shut the book, can't they? <laughs> you know, ultimately, you know. What's the Shirley Jackson quote? If you don't like my peaches, don't shake my tree. Right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Even with with spoilers on stuff. Um, it amazes me that people, you know, um, I, I wrote a book called, a short story called Fabulous Beasts and Tour, plastered spoilers on it. And I think it was pretty clear, you know, it says at the start, this includes um, rape, incest, abuse. Um, and some people seem shocked to encounter it later in the story. I'm like, you know, um, but, you know, I wanted to write something that, that meant something to me that's, you know, um, that's something that was very real. Um, something that was very gritty um, and I didn't want to sugarcoat it. It's not a graphic story, but it was important to me to to write that story. There was a lot of, in those characters that um, that were vocalising things that were important to me at the time. Um, not not consciously, but, you know, looking back at it. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and you know, uh, how, you know, obviously spoilers, um, you know, when trigger warnings are important, you know, in, sorry, trigger warnings are important in, in certain cases. Um, and I don't I hope I'm not shocking for shock's sake ever. I think that's very important to me as well. And and trigger warnings can function as spoilers, right? In in, yeah. in, a, in, in a way, like you look at a content warning. I, I had I had a situation with a <clears throat> with a story recently with a Neil Williamson story where where we Neil and I were looking at it and going, well, we. Yeah, it probably does need a content warning, but but it needs to be worded in the right way because otherwise the the whole the the power of the story kind of collapses. Yeah. Um, because there is that kind of yeah. So it is it, it's a tricky balance. So people people want to know, but at the same time, yeah, finding the right way to do it. Um, and just sort of at the very end, you you mentioned earlier in the story social about kind of reading widely as a sort of you know you know reading outside of genre and how your writing kind of you know, doesn't inhabit a particular genre. And that kind of really chimes with me. Uh, yeah, is that is that advice, is that something you always did or is that something you've kind of come to do more as you've been writing more? I've always done that, always done that, you know. Um, and, I, and I think, uh, I think the thing I need to, I need to learn to part my prejudice around is probably romance because I, ah. I don't read a lot of romance and never have. Um, okay. You know, um, I tend to even now. I think as I've got older, I tend to lean towards darker fiction, be that literary or genre or whatever. I had a spell of reading a lot of fantasy, um, you know, Robin Hobbs type stuff in my twenties. Um, I've always, you know, the classics. Um, you know, always through my teens, read a lot of Thomas Hardy, for example. Um, so yeah, I, it's what interests me, and 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 I think the thing is. Yeah. Whatever genre you're in, you know, I think there's a there's no such that a well-written book of any genre. It's like music. You can appreciate that, you know, okay, this might not, you know, I might not particularly like 
you know, um, say, you know, you typical dance stuff, but you know what, Prodigy or, you know, whatever, you know, just, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, there's certain tracks, certain things that you think, actually, yeah, I can see that that is brilliant. And there's a lot I can take from that. And it's kind of approaching it. Does that make sense? I'm a waffling a bit here. You know, it do- no, it does completely make sense. It does. Because I think if you, because even when you don't like it, you're, if, if you're re- if you're listening or reading it with an open mind, you're kind of asking yourself, well, why don't I like it? Right? There's a yeah. there's a there's a great thing. I, I, I it was in a video, an interview with with Elizabeth Bear, and she was talking about you know reading reading the things you don't like to to find out what it is you don't like. Yeah, absolutely. And reading without prejudice as well, and you know the idea that some things are culturally worth it and not. I mean, I grew up on my brother's comic books. Mm-hmm. you know, um, have a deep love of those. And, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I just think I just think there's something to be drawn from lots of different places and having lots of different experiences, be it language, technique, um, you know, style, dialogue. Uh, you know, you'll you, you learn something from everything you pick up. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's a great that's a great note to end on. I think. Um, thank you very much, Priya Sharma, for for talking to me. And um, th- this is Interzone Pod. Uh, Pomegranates is available from PS Publishing. Uh, All the fabulous beasts is available from from Undertow. And yeah, uh, is there anything else you want to plug before you go? Not really. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be a subscriber to the the new Interzone, ah. the new incarnation. And good luck with it all, Gareth. Thank you very much. I mean, I really should see where it goes. Yeah, no, no, I'm excited too. It's a, it's an exciting time. Thank you so much. Talk, talk to you again soon. All right, take care. Thank you. You've been listening to Interzone Pod. Find out more about Interzone and subscribe at interzone.press and read stories for free at interzone.digital. Thanks for listening. See you next time.